0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to episode 234, You Better Get My Planet Back. This week, we're discussing series 10, episode 7 of Doctor Who, The Pyramid at the End of the World, and season 4, episode 20 of Angel, Sacrifice.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already... You may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, pyramid at the end of the world. Um, is this the is this similar to like the restaurant at the end of the universe? Sure. Um, is is it like sure? Like or, it's um, clearly not or, like or the
1: the well at the world's end or whatever the William Morris yeah, the, one is. The, yeah.
0: Right. Um. Because it's clearly not like I mean this isn't like a flat Earth conspiracy thing, right? Like right. There, it's it's end of the world meaning like in time, not in right.
1: space. Which is kind of the joke of the restaurant at the end of the universe, right? Didn't we talk yeah, about this exactly. when we when we talked about that? uh
0: We did. We had a whole discussion about
1: hashtag that. Mythgard Movie Club. Um. Right. The joke about um. Yeah, it being like when the, they say not that end, the other end and the tires squeal and they go right. you know, and then so yeah, yeah.
0: In the film and that being like like hardcore, you know, Douglas Adams fans being like, "Oh, they got the joke wrong." And Right. And we're like, we're like That's No, the like joke. they're totally plain, <laughs> the joke is that they're getting the joke wrong. Right, like Right. Right, not oh, wait, that. Oh, what kind are we actually talking end. about? We're talking about Doctor Who now, though. Um,
1: well, but it's a similar joke, I think, in that you maybe expect it to be a temporal or a not a temporal, a a physical location that you know the pyramid is at the end of the world, whatever, wherever that is. When really, which end is that? Right. Yeah. Um, this fake country of Termezistan that we've started sending, like wherever whenever Peter Harness writes a political thriller, that's where we set it apparently. Um, Well, and
0: that's interesting too, because like, like you think of like, like the idea of going to the ends of the earth, like to, to the backwater, like farthest end of the earth, you know. Right. Kind of idea there too. Like I, I hadn't actually really thought of it that way, but, but that like, it's this like unnamed or un, 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 uh, fictional like third world country kind of place right right
1: right yeah and um yeah and and so it is kind of in no man's land in a way like you know the end of the world like smack dab in the middle of nowhere um but then once you've seen it you also get the joke of um the end of the world like in time that the world is about to you know, this is and, the pyramid that signifies that the world is coming to an end um in um, time as well as space.
0: Which, which we'll get to, like, the whole doomsday clock thing and, like, that part of it soon, too. But, like, yeah, that's where that all comes from. So,
1: So, yeah, um, I'd be surprised with, um, with these literate, you know, writers, you know, Peter Harness and Moffat co-writing and, this episode if they didn't have one or both of those literary allusions in mind when they sort of pick this title.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, and like, not just like science fiction and literary allusion, but like English, like British yeah. specifically. too. Yes. Right. Like it would be hard for me to believe that they wouldn't, you know, be thinking about that. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Mm hmm. All that said, what is this pyramid and where did it come from? Um, yeah. So just to sort of like talk about the situation a bit. Um, so even, even backing up, like before we even know that there is like a pyramid, right? You get um, Bill on a date with Penny, um, which is like their second date, but like the first one in an actual real world. Mm-hmm. Um And so, um, in the middle of it, uh, mirroring sort of the the previous date in the simulacrum world, uh, you get the, um, now, instead of the Pope, the UN Secretary General Mm -hmm. busting in with the soldiers looking for the president, um, who Bill assures him she does not know, and that he's kind of orange. Um, I wonder who she might be talking about. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it gets uh, more than a little topical, this one, doesn't it?
0: Sure. But... Uh,
1: and the timing is funny, too. I just have to point that out, because um, uh, these aired... When did this air? Not that long into 2017. So it's like, you know, you know, they had to have shot that scene... Right. post november twenty sixteen you know so they're kind of putting in little references pretty late into production and everything sure
0: sure um, but yeah, so she becomes sort of the conduit to find the doctor who we already knew, but bill did not um is becomes the president of the earth uh, in times of crisis mm-hmm. so um or resumes his duties as the president of the earth. Perhaps he never stops being the president, but he just sort of absconds like in between crises. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, uh, so they do, they find the doctor and, and get taken to this. Um, what was what's the name of it? Ter- Termezistan.
1: Termezistan. Yeah.
0: Which is like right. That's like Asia Minor Soviet former Soviet bloc That's kinda what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not it's not like Egypt. Like I don't like it's not like Africa. Right. Area. It's No, it seems
1: more like more like
0: Middle East or like slightly west of Middle East. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, like east of middle east eastern
1: european some, turning into whatever that yeah you know that region is um
0: yeah right like like east or northeast of turkey ish right
1: maybe um that's my that's i I don't, I don't other than the name i'm not entirely sure what i'm basing that on other than that that is my impression
0: the the um, istan right like yes yeah like yeah. Um Turk- Turkmenistan? That's a country, right? Like that's Now I'm trying to think of like, is this out. like
1: the Google.
0: Yeah, Turkmenistan is is an actual country. So like maybe that's like that's like the sort of vague vague uh Sort of thing, so that's like right that borders Iran and is on like the Caspian Sea, mm-hmm. you know like north of afghan- Afghanistan, mm-hmm. like that area, which mm-hmm. is close close ish to where we were thinking okay sure. anyway, we're 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 yeah. spending too much time trying to find <laughs> where this fictional nation might be um.
1: After that little geography refresher, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I wonder. I, I don't remember if we talked about this or even if it matters. But um, it, it's a funny the decision to choose a, a fictional country as opposed to a, a real one. You know, I'm, I'm. I wonder. I'm curious what. L- what lies behind that decision. Um, Even in, not even necessarily for this episode, for like, you know, the Zygon invasion slash inversion when it was introduced in the previous season. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe not wanting to, I don't know. Is it offensive to set a Doctor Who episode in somebody's country? I don't know. (laughs) well i mean um, i feel
0: like we get them going to various yeah, places like right. it's not
1: but never like uzbekistan or anything um no you I know mean, so there. it's just it's just like it's funny... like
0: england or america or like usually like western european country if it's not one of those two right like right like right. we really get them going to like other parts of the world too much
1: um yeah, very rarely in the new series anyway. Um,
0: yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like we get that sort of representation in space sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, like if there's, like, a space station or something, like, you might have, like, people from, who, like, originated from, like, other parts of the world or whatever. Yeah. But, it, but I don't think yeah. we act, like, physically on Earth, I don't think we've typically gotten a lot, maybe India. Did they visit India once? I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. I
1: don't think they visited India in the new series, but you're right where it'll be like the Indian, um, space program, you know, is like represented somehow, but you know, but the TARDIS doesn't necessarily land there. And even here, that's the case. You get, um, the Russians and the Chinese um, are sure. are represented as characters. Um, and, um, you know, maybe that's it. It's about finding a location where these kind of three superpowers might all be converging for some sort of conflict um, and yet not wanting to necessarily name a real country as a, place where that might happen um yeah you know like not necessarily setting it in afghanistan or you know one of these right one of these actual countries it it removes it into the doctor who realm of fantasy slightly to say it's very plausible that these three armies might sort of be at each other's throats in some sort of you know south asian or you know western asian country but we don't necessarily want to go too far into suggesting where that might be
0: Mm -hmm. um they could have always fallen back on the uh from uh on elbonia from dilbert (laughs) that too um anyway so yeah so okay so we've definitely talked too much about this fictional country though, that we don't really know anything about. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so there's a pyramid and it appears there and, um, you get like the, yeah, like the UN peacekeepers are there. And like you said, there's representatives from sort of the major players. Um, And we'll, I mean, we'll talk about the monks in a minute, but like they learn, I guess, right, that this is, these are the monks who have been, who the doctor now, who has been freshly warned by his simulated self, um, about what's going on, uh, about the simulations so that these monk creatures could take over the world, um, Mm -hmm. so they know this you know they figure out that this is the monks pyramid and they determine that maybe a show of unified earth force would uh you know be good and they attempt to in their each in their like various ways to destroy it um which the 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 monks sort of handily uh disable all of those attempts in one way or another um
1: right like kind of you know teleporting the the bombs you know uh from
0: right a and, plane right. or and, a
1: sub or you know whatever else they have just sort of and
0: they do it peacefully right like i mean it's not right. there's no like like right. they, don't they don't actually blow up the people. sub or
1: anything yeah
0: right they just like right they move it there or they like they you know take the the pilots out of the helicopter or whatever and you know transport them elsewhere mm-hmm. um which is interesting i guess like it's not sort of your typical like alien response to violence of like just putting the hammer down and like being 10 times more violent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I have more to say about that. Just kind of noting that like, it, like you, cause I think that's what you're expecting,
2: mm-hmm. right.
0: You're expecting like when the beam of light comes out of the pyramid, you're expecting like, Oh, it's going to like blow up the helicopter and like shoot the nuclear missile out of the sky. And like, Mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. I I think or at least I would be expecting that cuz that's mm-hmm. the sort of typical you know like like thinking of like Independence Day of like mm-hmm. you know they first start with like the comm- weird helicopter with like the lights going on and like the response is they just blow the crap out of it and right you know things go downhill from there. That's not what happens here. Mm-hmm. Um Instead, it's what turns out to be a warning through these through this doomsday clock, which is represented on everybody's portable devices and clocks, you know, watches and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is also, I feel, which is also like another subversion because it's a warning, not a threat, mm-hmm. we learn. That there's something already in motion To that's going to destroy the world. Not caused by the monks, but caused by Earth people. And they're here to warn and potentially save
1: mm-hmm. the people. Right. Um, right, which is a kind of interesting idea to I mean we kind of mentioned the you know the the Trump nod um but like even without that name check I think you still get a sense of I was actually just looking and um this episode was uh filmed over November to January 2016 to to 2017 um so right over the election and into the first part of the year and you know I'm not solely or even primarily blaming Trump personally for the state of things like things were you know there's a lot more going on than just you know Trump's personality um you know and and you know there's a lot of tension in the world even taking mm. him out of it um but i and boy do i wish i could um but we don't mean that <laughs> this this podcast does not endorse yeah is um <laughs> facebook
0: <listening. laughs>
1: um i still i still think though that like with like the whole doomsday clock thing and the like you know this this notion of the end of the world is sort of nigh and and it could be coming from a thousand different directions and it's just a question of which is the correct one um Mm -hmm. whether or not that's actually true it certainly captures the zeitgeisty feel of the culture at that particular moment you know and like we might've calmed down a little bit, but basically I think that we're still living in of this kind of sense of panic. Um, You know, certainly in, in the West, I don't know if everybody in the world completely agrees, like, you know, maybe things have been bad for a while in other places and it's not such a phenomenon, but um I don't know the fact that like, Even, like, soon after the election, you had, like, the actual doomsday clock in the real world, like, being, like, moved, like, very close to midnight. Like, again, I'm not saying that that's an accurate reflection of how close we are to global catastrophe, but probably you had people thinking about the doomsday clock who never even knew what it was or ever heard about it before. So it's in the... It's in the air a bit. Um, And so I feel like that's kind of what they're, you know, trying to sort of grab hold on is this idea of like, okay, let's start listing all the things that could be about to kill us at any given moment, you know? So Mm -hmm. is it the, the global war between these nuclear superpowers or is it, you know, some new strain of super flu that, you know, the antibiotics can't, you know, fight anymore. Or, you know, is it global warming and, you know, the environment's going to change or, you know, whatever. Take your pick. Um, Sure. And using that as like, that's not the way that, you know, none of that is caused by the monks, right? It's just that the monks use that to... They use the fear of those things to exploit the will of the people to say, you know, here's this is the strongman candidate who comes in and says, I'm the only thing who can save you from this laundry list of all these things that are about to kill you.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point and not one that I had really thought through like to that level of like implication i think because there really is a parallel there with the rhetoric and i mean it's easy to pick on trump because i think like he's um well he won well, i think so <laughs> I, I think i think he's a lot of things yes he won but like i also think he's also like the most ostentatious example of that yeah. of of the sort of prototypical politician who promises the world and then you know regardless of whether he can actually deliver or even like whether it's desirable that he deliver on the promises that he makes it's it's all of those things of like you know the the caravan of immigrants is headed towards america and so we need to build a wall and have the military stationed at the borders and you know, all of these things of, of like pointing out all of these problems that do actually exist, but are maybe like pointing them out, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the, the things that are being pointed out are maybe not actually the things that are going to like do us in or, or are really as big of a problem as maybe like Something else that's sort of happening off somewhere right. else that we're not looking at. Sure. Um, so yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want to draw too close of a, a connection, but I. I think you're right. Like that, there is definitely this sense of like using using the opportunity of these actual threats or at least perceived threats to sort of secure power and, and we're getting in kind of into the monk's motivation and the ability or the need, I guess that they express to control through sort of love and consent. And that's also what you hear from like politicians Mm -hmm. of like the mandate, even when like they didn't even get a full 50% of the vote, let alone the fact that like, the number of people who vote are like usually maybe, you know, close to 50% for a presidential election
2: mm-hmm.
0: of people who vote, but then like even less than half of those people actually voted. So you're talking about less than a quarter of the actual voting age population mm-hmm. who voted for, but that somehow gets turned into like a mandate to, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever it is they feel like doing. Mm-hmm like there's this idea of you need to consent you know and you know we can only control you if you love us but then what happens when you like give that consent but don't actually love the person mm-hmm. uh in in this instance you know the monks there's um well something very bad happens when you offer you know try to do like a strategic you know move to say like oh i i don't really love you but i'm going to consent to like save myself and my people that seems not to work here right um right and again
1: it's very the the way that the monks present it like everything they do is very passive sounding like you know, they, they invade, but like you said, they do it nonviolently and, you know, they, they want to rule you, but only if you consent and you love them. Um, and even the way they talk about the process of consent, they say something like, um, they kind of warn them, like, it, you know, if you if your love is impure, it will kill you. Like, it's not even mm-hmm. clear that it's them killing them. Like, it's not, like, the monks – is it? Is it even the monks, like, retaliating because you, you know, you didn't love us purely enough? Or is it, like, the impurity of your love somehow that, you know, causes this, right. you know, I don't know, spontaneous combustion or something? I mean, I mean it, like – and I'm not saying, like, we don't really get a clear – Sense of the mechanics, but like everything is, I feel like the way they talk about themselves, nothing is aggressive. Everything is very like, well, if you burned up, it's because your love wasn't pure enough. And we're not really telling you that we are ruling you. We're, you're asking us, you know, like everything is like very like, I don't know, arranged so that they're not the aggressors in the situation, you know, like they have to be invited in and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I got the sense that it was the monks fault in one way or another, like, like, no. And I,
1: I agree with you, but I think that they seem to not want it to be perceived that way. I don't know. And maybe that's part of the kind of politiciness of their presentation is, you know, to be, yeah. to be asked, to be invited, to be sure. chosen as the leaders, because this is the best thing for everybody. Um, not because they're, you know, Forcing themselves or imposing themselves on anybody,
0: sure, well, and I mean the whole idea of love though there too, like brings in a different level when you're just talking about consent mm-hmm. and stuff as well, because then I mean we're not just dealing in times of like strong political changes or or big political sort of events that like are happening but also like things like the me too movement and you know just the idea of like consent I, whether it's love or not at least you know sexual consent you know um and and dealing with ideas around like is there such a thing as implied consent or like you know what happens when like both parties are inebriated like and you know enjoying in various activities or you know again like I don't want to take the metaphor too hard you know too far but like like you consent but like don't truly love and so you get burned up by you know whether it's like actively the monks burning you up or some sort of reaction to you not being pure enough in your love like is there a slut shamey aspect to that. Like mm-hmm. if you wanted to get, you know, down to sort of the metaphorical level of like, well, you know, you said, you said yes, but you didn't really mean it. And, you know, changed your mind later. Like that's the accusation
2: mm-hmm. at
0: least that gets branded back on people who maybe, you know, bring up that like, Oh, I never actually consented or, maybe i did but it was only because i was afraid not to mm-hmm. consent or something mm-hmm. like that right um so yeah i don't again like i mean obviously like these are sort of loose themes rather than strict metaphors. so I, again mm-hmm. i don't want to like you know make it too strong of a point there but i feel like yeah there's that sort of thing going on here of like you know we need your consent to be ruled but you can only give your consent well and there's also like the the idea of like having the authority to consent
2: mm-hmm. so
0: there's like multiple sort of checkpoints of like do you have the proper authority and if you do is your consent you know born out of love or is it through you know fear or a strategic move or some kind of other thought or emotion mm-hmm. um So yeah, I I mean, it's, it is sort of an interesting setup. And I still don't, I mean, in this episode at this point, right? Like, in watching it, like, the first time and whatever, like, I don't know that I was entirely sure, like, are, like, this doesn't seem like, it's not like the silence, where like, there's ultimately, like. We know that they're bad and like creepy and forgetting, you know, we, we like forget about them and stuff. And there's kind of a weird, like uh, parasitic vibe to that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I'm not entirely sure here that's the case. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the monks are good. Like Mm -hmm. they sort of admit up front that they're here to take over the world, Mm -hmm. but like, also like what is the motivation at this point of like needing that approval and consent you know through love like is that does that indicate some does that indicate some kind of like higher moral stance that like even if like ultimately it means that like humanity is enslaved and like there's still problems sort of with that you know result is there is there some kind of like bigger you know moral or ethical Mm -hmm. like uh criteria being met here Mm -hmm. Um, yeah right
1: yeah and it makes me wonder too um from the previous episode where they were running all their different Simulations to find the right moment, you know, to stage their invasion. It makes me curious is this always the way they work? Like, is it, was it just about picking the right moment, like finding the right brink of catastrophe? And, but, but then they always, um, assuming they've ever done this sort of thing before, they always sort of prefer to, for whatever reason, to go about it by asking. By by expecting mm. consent on the part of the the enslaved, um, or is it that their simulations indicated that the best results would come from getting the consent of the victim? Right. Like maybe their simulations showed that when you just steamroll all over people, they get rebellious, whereas if they're invited in. You know, so it's about finding a situation where people are scared enough that they will just say yes to anything. Right. Um, that whole know.
0: idea of, you know, giving up liberty for security. Right, right? Like, right,
1: right. Like, is that always part of the way that the monks operate? Or is that kind of what their computer simulation showed sure. about Earth and its I would, people and everything?
0: I mean I would I would assume that it would have to be a result of the simulation because if that was the way they always operated then what's the point of the simulation right like sure and and that's not to say that like like okay you know if we're like comparing this to some other planet with some other species presumably they would have some simulation that runs for that species too and maybe that simulation also says you know similarly like it's best to obtain consent you know and it must be done through this emotion or whatever or maybe like for some other species that the result of the simulations is nope you gotta display force as much as you can and like because they're like a warrior species they'll respect that and follow you or something Mm. like whatever the result of that might be i feel like the implication is that that's why they do the simulation because there's a potential that it could be different from place to place. But I'd also don't know that, do we know if they've actually done this elsewhere?
1: Um, they say, I don't think we know.
0: No. Like this could be the first time. And so it's just, they don't know what to do. So it's like, well, sure. I'll just try this and yeah. see if it works. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or they did. A ton of research, and then figured out that this was the approach to take. Um, but yeah, I don't think we ever, certainly not yet, I don't think we've heard if, like, the Doctor doesn't seem to know about them. If this isn't one of his, you know, alien peoples that he can say what planet they right. they hail from, or what they're, you know, part of the his fear... In the previous episode, and here seems to be not knowing mm-hmm. who they are and what they want and how they work. So, right. So, um, given all that stuff about consent, especially, and the kind of like, is it really consent if you're coerced and manipulated into it and everything? Um, mm-hmm what do you make of Bill's consent at the end? And like, do we, do we buy that her, um her consent is somehow qualitatively different from, cause it's still, to me, there's still fear and strategy in what she does. Like, yeah. Like it's still based on fear of, what'll happen if she she doesn't. There's still a strategic thing of hoping that the Doctor will figure something out, even if she gives the Earth away, that he's going to get the planet back somehow. And the only thing I can think of that's different that's like is the fact that she does love him personally, but like, I don't know. I asked you a question, then I answered it. Sorry. Yes. (laughs)
0: They do say we must be loved, right? Mm-hmm. And and so we must be wanted, we must be loved. To rule through fear is inefficient. But then the doctor in talking about uh trying to find the like the thing that is going to destroy everyone he talks about misdirection. Don't look where the arrow is pointing. Look where it's pointing away from. I wonder if that's what she's doing there. (laughs) If it's her love for the doctor is actually what's being detected. And it's like using that same sort of misdirection of like pointing towards them and saying she loves, but like, the feeling is actually going the exact opposite way towards mm. the doctor. And, like, maybe this is, like, a way... And so, like, it's, like, they feel the genuineness of the feeling but can't detect, like, who she's actually feeling it towards in mm. the moment that she says, you know, her love. You know, expresses her love. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean that's complete conjecture on my part. I don't like that's kind of pulling like different pieces of it together, Mm -hmm. but that might be one potential explanation of like, she's able to, um, use her love for the doctor to misdirect the monks, so to speak. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um,
0: because I, I just would find it hard to believe that she actually loves the monks.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think. I, I don't any, think this is. There's any sense in that. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I think that's a that's a good that's the best explanation I've heard of you know um, of how to make sense of that. It, yeah, because it's clear that she is feeling love in the end it's just not directed at them um so
0: i yeah i don't think this is like winston smith loving big brother sure right like right like this does this is you know uh, this isn't um bill at the end like coming to see that like the monks truly are the way the truth and the light and like their saved salvation is through them right right i i I definitely think, like you said, that it's her being strategic, but it's like being strategic in like the most doctorish way possible of like using that misdirection
2: mm-hmm.
0: by having actual emotion and feeling mm-hmm. and thought that they're looking for, but it's just pointed in the completely opposite direction, mm-hmm. that seems more plausible to me than right her like actually you know loving the monks and
1: yeah wanting
0: them to take over
1: yeah and i think you could say that you know the 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 soldiers are also motivated by a kind of love in the sense that they want to save the world and don't want to see earth destroyed and the people killed and everything but i think it's maybe it's easier for Bill to mask the strategy when her love is about a particular person.
0: Like, right. You know, you're zeroed
1: in on one situation with one person that's important to you, that if she doesn't do something, whatever happens to the earth, he's definitely going to die. Um, And so I think that's why maybe the love comes through as the overriding emotion. Whereas for, like, you know, the American colonel, like, even though he's trying to save millions or billions of people, that's a much more abstract notion um, than thinking of one particular person that he's trying to help. Which I think it's there's, there's something truthful about that, like, when you hear about these tragedies and stuff like, you know, like a terrorist attack or one of these recent mass shootings or something where, like, there are a lot of victims, I think it can be hard to understand it when it's a list of sort of anonymous names that you have never heard before. You know, it's like, that doesn't always feel... um you know, sometimes it's not until it's like even just one person that, you know, that one name can mean, you know, something hit a little closer to home than a large group of people. Like you have to kind of focus it for the emotion to kind of really get through sometimes.
0: Sure. Sure. So. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that obviously that comes near the end and there's sort of a cliffhanger there with her. Um There's a second cliffhanger going on. So, like, we can maybe move over and talk about that bit um mm-hmm. a little, too, because so this idea that there's um, a doomsday warning and something is already in motion that will destroy humanity in one form or another. Um, We, and so we sort of get like this parallel story of like these laboratory scientists kind of having their own, like sort of mundane bad days that turns into like each of their like worst days of their lives, Mm -hmm. like kind of literally. Um, So I I don't think we need to like step-by-step through what happens to them. But like, long story short, there's an accident in the laboratory they're in. And whether it's through negligence or poor, you know, response or, you know, just not having the right equipment even or working equipment. um. You get this, you get this, some sort of biological catastrophe happening that could potentially wipe out the earth. Now, this is, I mean, we could maybe criticize like having something that could like wipe out the entire human race, you know, in a laboratory that is like just vents out to like the open air. Um, Sure but like okay like that's the setup we'll we'll accept it for what it is um they kind of the doctor runs through like a bunch of different stuff that like it could be and they they find out about this place because like the monks are like watching it right so it's like oh you know the monks clearly know what's going on. So they must be monitoring it somehow. Let's figure out what they're monitoring and then we can see and, and they do. And so the doctor has to go and sort of try to save everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's like the mechanics of it. Like if they can like incinerate the contaminated room, then everything will be fine. Um, Nardal, you know, Gets like a whiff of this stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. isn't he? He goes in and, um,
1: yeah. Well, it's even kind of like venting into the TARDIS a little bit. Like, isn't it sort of like,
2: oh, like right. right like right. the
1: smoke is in the air. Like it's getting kind of. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than just a whiff. Like it's coming in through the vents, and so yeah. Sure. So he's like passed out by the point that the doctor needs some rescuing uh mm-hmm. Nardle isn't much help really
0: sure um yeah and then so uh there's all you know so so the doctor goes through a number of different things but long story short is He's able to sort of cordon things off, but he can't get out because he's blind, of course. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, a numbers that he has to enter, right? Like or, mm-hmm. or a code, basically, that he has to put in, which would be easy because like the code is there in plain sight, but not being able to see. He can't actually, mm-hmm. you know, input it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, uh. What? so what exactly, is it, it's Bill, it's Bill's, like, giving consent and then the monks restore his site? Is that what happens?
1: Yeah, that's what it seems that's, to be. Yeah,
0: I, I was trying to like for some reason I was like doubting like yeah sort of the events there, but but no. that's basically it, right? Like that, right? So somehow
1: they have the power to just sort of magically, you know, restore his sight sort of right there and then.
0: Yeah. Um. But then, of course, that means the monks have all the power, right? So. Now, now we have to take care of that situation for yes. the doctor. Yeah. The doctor does. Yeah. 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 And, I,
1: and I mean, I, I guess a word or two at the end of the, um, the doctor is blind subplot of the season. Um hmm I don't know. How well do you feel that that was used as a, mm. you know, from kind of over the course of the three episodes or whatever? Um,
0: well, and it's, I mean, it's really kind of near the end of Oxygen, right? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, like, so two episodes, really. And then, so
0: here's the thing that I don't get. Why is he blind in the simulation, too? Mm. Like, okay, I guess, like, if you're, if you're, like, trying, like, every possible permutation, like, and running all these simulations, then there is going to be one or some where the doctor is blind,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and potentially other ailments in others, right? Like, so I guess you could just say, like, okay, we happen to be, like, seeing one where this is the case because that's the one where he's got the glasses and that's the link to like get to the outside. And so I guess yeah. you could sort of fudge your way through an explanation of that if mm-hmm. you wanted to. Um, but it's not like, like that was kind of the first thing I remember thinking of like, okay, well if this is all simulation. Then why is he blind in the simulation too? Like mm-hmm. that just like he could have, you could have also emailed from a computer terminal. Like he didn't have to like, email the message out from his glasses. Through the glass. Yeah. Right. Um the only thing I can think of there is that like, okay, well it's glasses, so it's like recording everything he sees. It's like, you know, all the first person stuff. So it's kind of a passive recording that he can then just send. And mm-hmm. it's not like like otherwise he'd have to like type out like here's my story and right I'm the doctor and here's why I'm telling you this.
1: Um. I mean, I guess I see that as like that particular simulation that we see is meant to be contemporary with what's going on in the real world at that point. And so if they're saying if we invade at this moment in time, he would be blind. Um, whereas like I imagine that if they're running simulations throughout history, they would meet different doctors at different points in history with you know like like you said like various abilities or potentially even other ailments you know or whatever and so since that kind of simulation is connected with like this particular moment in time um I I kind of see that as making sort of like well if we invade now the doctor will be blind and so he's blind in the simulation for that event. Yeah,
0: but that that's, like, different than what a simulation is. Like, a simulation is, like, you run a bunch of scenarios and, like, see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. So what you're describing is, like, we're just doing the same thing as, like, what's in the real
1: world. <laughs> well, but they are running a bunch. We just only see one of them right right
0: no and that's what i said i said like you can explain it by saying like but they did but we didn't have to like like there was a choice made to show us a creative choice by the director and stuff not yeah
1: right nurse. right like yeah.
0: there was a creative choice by the director to show us specifically a simulation of like where the doctor is blind and like right. all i'm saying is like we didn't have to see that one we could have saw some seen some other one well and realize that it was like a simulation and he sends a message in another way than using glasses that's all I'm like
1: but the lack of blindness would tip you off to the fact that it's not the real world wouldn't it
0: maybe i don't know maybe you got his eyes fixed or he says that he has eye fixy stuff right
1: or department. i'm thinking they don't say at the end of oxygen that he's still blind
0: Right. That's you, like right. there's yeah, other yeah. like right. there's other ways to like still be like fooled that it's a simulation. Like Right.
1: And then have come, come I, back at the end and, I, I'm not yeah, saying I, I even
0: dislike the way they did it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's a thought that crossed my mind was mm-hmm. he's blind in the real world, but if this is a simulation, then why is he necessarily still blind? Mm-hmm. You sure, you can come up with explanations for it, but those are not, they're not things that are actually like explained in the story and they're not situations that have to be the way that they are is all I'm saying. Sure. Um, so like going back to your question of like, how well did that come through? I Like it's fine, I guess like, I don't like we've seen the doctor injured in other ways, I guess. And he always, you know, I mean, like some of them are resolved quicker than others, like it's different than like immediately growing back a hand, but like it's it works, I guess. I almost kind of would have liked to see. Well, I don't want to get too much into like where we're going, sure, but like maybe we could have seen like more progression of like ailments and disfigurements, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to like, of like the oldest doctor or, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the oldest looking doctor anyway, Mm -hmm. of like, so I'm thinking, uh, um, I know that you are much further ahead in Corey Olson's, uh, Exploring the Lord of the Rings than I am. I'm still way back, like a year behind, um, in right, about like chapter two of the of right. the Lord of the of the. That's Fellowship funny. Of I'm the Rings. I'm
1: about eleven months ahead of you, but probably only about five chapters.
0: <laughs> sure. Um. But one of the things that I remember him talking about, um, from chapter two. Shadow of the past uh, is the sort of oddity of having Gandalf look older than uh, he did uh, you know however many years ago, given that like we what we know about Gandalf sort of extraneously or not extraneously ex ex externally from the Lord of the Rings as a Maiar you know who. It's not quite the same thing as, like, the elf, you know, Feya and Heroa, where, like, they don't really age per se. Mm -hmm. But, like, there is a sort of, like, divine thing going on here of, like, you know, there doesn't have to be an aging of the body for Mm -hmm. a wizard in the same way that there is for a man, because he is sort of an angelic being, so to speak. Um but you get like descriptions of him looking older his his beard's a little whiter your his hair's a little whiter you know his eyebrows are a little longer apparently they still grow Mm -hmm. um in the 17 years or whatever between you know bilbo's going away party and and you know coming back and explaining things to frodo or however long it is um And I feel like that would, it would be interesting to see that same sort of thing here with the doctor Mm -hmm. of like, there's not necessarily an actual reason for him to be getting older, but it would be interesting. I think if they took that to, to a level of like, there's a sort of physical breakdown Mm -hmm. going on and I'm projecting ahead to what I know happens. Like, later in the season so like i won't get too much into that but like there's certainly i feel like sort of an emotional version of that happening that they do kind of show Mm -hmm. of like his weariness and but like also the refusal to give into the weariness i feel like if they had continued to like do that in a more physical fashion as well it just would have sort of reinforced that kind of idea Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but they don't they just like give him his eyesight back and Mm
2: -hmm. that's it yeah yeah
0: (laughs) so i like i i don't dislike the eyesight thing i don't even necessarily dislike giving his him his eyesight back i think there's they i think they could have handled it in a more interesting way and yeah that they didn't i guess I just have to learn to deal with. <laughs> but um, I don't like, I also don't know that I thought about it that hard until you asked me the question. So like, sure. I don't know that like, like, I wasn't like sitting around like, Oh, this season sucks. Cause they didn't, you know, right. continue to like disfigure and make the doctor, <laughs> you know, sicker over time. Right. Right. Like that didn't cross my mind. But like, when you ask the question of like, how do I like how they handle it? Like that's sort of what pops in there is yeah it would have been interesting if they had continued to like sort of have his have his body break down
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know in know in a way that like sort of reflects where he is emotionally and sort of the toll of mm-hmm. being this old like world weary kind of doctor that I feel like it get- is evidenced in various ways mm-hmm. um as we progress through the season
1: yeah 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 i kind of agree i wasn't like leading towards any particular i was just curious um Mm -hmm. what you thought um i do kind of like the slightly um you know i guess like the the smallness or the mundaneness to the way that Not the resolution, necessarily, but the fact that, like, of course he doesn't ever tell Bill that he's still blind. And, of course, that's the reason he can't get out of the stupid chamber. Just the kind of, like, hubris of that. I think there's something kind of um, fitting about it. But, like, I I, I don't disagree that, um, conceptually, I'm not quite sure not the purpose of it but like maybe they could have done more on a on a more metaphorical level to to do if if they're going to go all the way and have him be sort of you yeah know,
0: i yeah i think i think part of it is that like one the blindness happens off screen so like we don't even really see it happening mm-hmm. and then it's resolved just like in a snap like there's no i don't mean to say there's no like uh
1: like consequences or consequence
0: to yeah. it because like there's you know bill and and the monks and stuff like that's the tra that's the that's the sacrifice right mm-hmm. like is is bill um but like there kind of is no consequence for the doctor. I mean, not, not for the first time. Like the doctor has had many times where there have been no consequence or like much delayed consequences um, for the things that he's done. Um, The other thing I was going to say though, to your point about like his continued blindness and sort of, you know, hiding it from bill is I like to his sort of like, his sort of embracing of the tutor persona of like asking her, well, like, what do you, what do you see? Like, you know, like giving that like, you know, what, what do you see when you look at the pyramid and like, what are your conclusions that you draw from that? And, and like, you know, definitely totally doing that sort of teacher thing of like trying to get the student to like think through the implications and come to their conclusions. But like, obviously using that in a way to like, supplement what he can't see right, with right. the glasses yeah um,
1: using the kind of socratic method to hide his disability um yeah. and nardole like sn- slipping in like random comments that just come out of nowhere because he's describing what's going on like oh there's a pyramid in front of the- oh the soldiers are coming out of it like saying the most obvious mm-hmm. things um Right. Whenever he thinks the doctor needs a clue about what's going right. on. Um Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's some good there's some kind of funny and interesting little character moments, but um
0: But yeah, I don't I mean, I don't like I said, I don't like hate the idea that he was blind or anything, but I there's there was potential there for you know, to do more For more. Him. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't do that and you know that is what it is, but mm-hmm. I I don't think it was bad in any way, um, per se. So
2: yeah,
0: um, but with that, we should go on and talk about another sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That is the episode sacrifice in Angel season four, episode twenty. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, although I don't want to start, I think we want to finish with Angels sacrifice, Um, and we'll start instead with Connor and Jasmine um, and Cordy a little bit. Cordy, who's still in her coma, um, you know, and, and it occurred to me too, I forgot to think about this when we were going through the outline, but I remember now that as I was watching it, I'm still aware of what you kind of tipped me off that this may potentially be Cordy's last season. It was the impression that I had. Um, And it was sort of dawning on me that if it's true that she spent the whole season, it was really Jasmine. Like if everything since Cordy's come back has been Jasmine. And now Mm. she kind of gives birth to Jasmine and then she's like been asleep. We've had a whole season without Cordy. Seemingly.
0: Sure.
1: Um, which if if that's true that this is her final season, that's potentially a little frustrating. But um, but I, I'll i I'll reserve my judgment about that until we get to the end of the season, I guess. Um Anyway, that was just sort of occurring to me as I was watching this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do actually, and before we get too far into it, I do want to note that we actually have a new writer. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and this, is, this, this falls under the category of people who um, were involved with Firefly needing new jobs. <laughs> Um, because uh the, the new writer is Ben Edland okay. who um had actually only written so he had written for the show The Tick uh okay. before this. And then um he wrote two episodes of Firefly. So he wrote the Janestown episode. Okay. Um, which I That's like good I, I always enjoy that yeah. episode. Yeah. Um and then he co wrote uh the episode Trash, which um Mm -hmm. is the one where mal ends up naked in the desert if you remember that one sure um (laughs) i mean i'm sure you remember the one where nathan fillion is naked in the desert right um
1: how could you forget um
0: Uh, okay so those are the two episodes that he had in firefly and and so then of course um pops over here and and we'll get additional episodes with him in season five of angel but he doesn't he he never writes for buffy um because we're like at the end of buffy (laughs) basically at this point like Um, three
1: episodes left um um,
0: but he gets he gets this one and then and then he'll have several credits into uh season five um including an episode that is sort of universally beloved so we'll mm -hmm. talk about that one when we get to it. Um, but, um, just pointing out here that, that this is his first angel episode and, um, and not a terribly experienced television writer, even at this point, I think, I think at this point, he's got a total of like five credits to his name. Although, as we've mentioned with Firefly, like there's, you know, those are both good episodes that he wrote. So not certainly not, uh, incompetent or anything, <laughs> um, but but not terribly experienced either. So mm-hmm. um just figured I'd throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. So anyway, uh you're I won't say for definite that this is or is not Charisma Carpenter's last season, um mm-hmm. on the show, but I mean, yeah, like it, if if we're to take what has been presented by Jasmine excuse me, and others, and like Skip, um, aka Roy, uh, we we yeah, we can say, I think, pretty confidently that Cordy actually has not been seen in this season so far. <laughs> uh, now, if you don't believe Jasmine and Skip, then Maybe that's a different uh assessment, but mm-hmm. but i I think you're I think that that's a very reasonable and valid position to take mhm, if that gives you any indication of what I think <laughs> myself,
1: sure
0: <laughs> without giving away any particular details about what might be coming,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah,
0: I I don't think that's unreasonable at all to like make to draw that conclusion. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 yeah, So let me do the psychologist thing. So how do you feel about that? Um, Where does that you know? Well, sit with you. Uh,
1: well, I you know obviously I reserve final judgment until. I know the end of certainly this season, if not the end of the entire series and in terms of where her character sort of ends up and, you know, uh, wherever it sort of leaves her in the narrative and everything that that can go a long way to justify or redeem things that might seem to not serve her character as well. Um, that being said, I mean it, it's one thing if we just don't really see Cordy all season, and then it's an extra layer if we don't really see Cordy all season, and it's Charisma Carpenter's last season as well. Um, and mm-hmm. so in 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 theory, we might never see Cordy again as a character, um, mm-hmm. even if we see Charisma Carpenter, um. And so that has the potential to be frustrating <laughs> just because, like, you know, there was something kind of satisfying about, you know, Cordy of all people, after all of Buffy and all of Angel and her sort of reputation as, um, yes, the truth teller, but also kind of, you know, seen as the kind of shallow valley girl you know kind of materialistic to kind of evolve her beyond that or to show that she was always more than that even if people Mm -hmm. didn't see it to show that she had this kind of ability to kind of cut through the bs and tell the truth and that had a kind of wisdom underneath it maybe she had to grow up a little bit but She always had this kind of insight Um, to have her kind of develop to the place where she could, again, of all the characters, she's the one sort of chosen to ascend to this higher plane and become, you know, this goddess, you know, a higher being. To find out that that was potentially just a trick, like just a ruse, a nasty sort of like trap to bring her to a vulnerable place where she could be possessed by this you know seemingly evil demon who then returns to earth to spread her love and her joy um like if that's the ending for the character that's kind of a bummer (laughs) you know is like all of cordy's you know you know and I'm willing to see ways in which that could be interesting of subverting your expectations of, you know, like Joss does like to sometimes kill characters at moments when you don't expect it. And so he might want to, um, take a moment where you expect Cordy to really be kind of reaching this apotheosis and find out that really, um, she was kind of, you know, tricked all along. I could see him doing that. Um, but it is a little, it is, like, seems a bit disappointing to have, like, all of her character development lead to kind of like a bleak ending. Um... So, I mean, we're not at the ending yet. So I'm I, I'm speaking only in theory because I don't know what's gonna happen. So um. So yeah, and then finding that like not only does her story end in kind of like a a bummer but also like that we don't even really get to see her again after this ascension into heaven that's not really that. Um, Kind of adds insult to injury a little bit. Um, So yeah, I'm very curious about where the season's gonna end. And once you're able to talk about a little bit more of the like behind the scenes aspects of it, I'll be curious to hear about that.
0: Sure. And I mean, yeah, I may have given away too much
1: in all of that,
0: but. um...
1: Well, no, I think it was relevant when we talked about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously we can't really really get into it until. uh, Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about Cordy so much. She's like not in this episode hardly at all. She Yes. she's still well, asleep and I mean, um so
0: i guess i guess the question is is she cordy again but in a coma like so like maybe technically you're wrong in that like she is here jasmine is born now awake. like this is actually cordy but she just is comatose the right <laughs> right which isn't you know really cordy but like
1: yeah 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 I mean it it is technically her. It's just like we haven't actually had real courty interaction um you know in such a long time, so um, mm-hmm. and I guess like we can mention the fact that Jasmine sort of hides her you know or moves her away um ostensibly yeah. to you know to protect her, and it's like, uh-huh, um. Yeah. You know, and even Connor, who let's get into him, he's uh, still a little hard to tell if he's like truly not affected by the, the magical blood, um, mm. or if he's just so kind of bought into the fantasy and the lie that he can't hear anything else. Um, Even he, I feel like when Jasmine says that she moved Cordy, he kind of registers a little bit of suspicion. Like, he'd rather Cordy wasn't moved, you know, without his knowledge. Like, potentially Cordy could be the one thing that he might care about more than Jasmine. Um, it doesn't go anywhere. Like it doesn't lead to a kind of like confrontation. Um, there's just a little sense of his dissatisfaction, um, with that. Um, but apart from that moment, he's still seemingly kind of completely a hundred percent bought into the whole, jasmine thing um you know we saw him tell on angel and crew um and then you know and we get the line again about they're always using magic you know his his ongoing vendetta against like whatever they do whenever they use magic it's just further proving his point um, mm-hmm. of the kind of dark occult stuff that, you know, they get up to. Um, yeah. And then I just, we, we just get more kind of, of Jasmine, you know, now that she has him sort of one-on-one, you know, drilling deeper and deeper into telling him what, he wants to hear you know of right all the pain all the loneliness you know all the burdens that he's had to carry in his entire life um not only does she sort of acknowledge and you know validate the the, the truth of those experiences but that she can take them away um mm-hmm. you know and like physically she can you know the The cuts in his hands sort of, you know, this little stigmata, you know, like appears on her palms and then she can kind of absorb it away.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. And I guess, I mean, we just get more of her. I don't know. I guess both mental and physical link with her followers. Um, So her reach is growing and, you know, she can send them out farther and there does seem to be a physical link as well. Like at the end when they're all fighting and she's sort of being injured every time that they get injured, but then kind of just laughs it away and absorbs it. And it doesn't really leave any sort of lasting mark on her. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Am I missing any kind of new developments with the Jasmine side of things?
0: No, I think that's it. Like, I think, yeah, the continuing to sort of consolidate power and bring in new followers and, you know, build a closer link to them is all kind of what we're, you know, the important parts
1: okay uh meanwhile angel and team flee um angel Mm -hmm. first beats the snot out of connor (laughs) and then like throws him out a window and then leaves him you know bleeding on the on the sidewalk um you know fred kind of protesting and and angel sort of saying like well it's too bad, um yeah you know i I know what he is, drive like there's not really much he mm-hmm. can do, um and Connor heals fast anyway, I like it's not that big of a deal this is true, um yeah and and they you know, I don't know how much we have to go through like the the steps along the way of, you know, they stop at a gas station and, no. you know, get attacked. That just says this, this idea that, you know, even I think since Fred was on her own, the threat is, and the reach is increasing of her ability yeah. to sort of track them down and find them quickly. And now they're all sort of speaking with her voice, literally, which is a little bit creepy. Um, mm-hmm. So they end up to kind of avoid human contact entirely, they end up uh, in the sewers um, and bump into another crew. So not exactly Gunn's old crew, but like a kind of offshoot of that. Um, Because it turns out that he knows um, the leader who... Guess Gunn's supposed to be older than him, although to me they seem like the same age. It's weird. Um Sure. You know. Anyway, it was this this punk that stole Gunn's car when he was twelve. Um is leading, you know, I don't know. They're not quite like an Oliver Twist level of, you know, band of urchins, but it's that it's something like that. Like this kind of, you know. Teenagers and kids and young adults sort of living hand-to-mouth in the sewers. Um, Yep. Fighting vampires, but I guess because they're sort of secluded from the larger world, they've been able to evade the influence of Jasmine. Like, they're not like watching TV and, you know, listening to the radio and all the other ways that she sort of is able to brainwash people. Um, and I mean that's kind of we don't really learn too much about them like there's a spider no. monster that's you know stalking them and you right.
0: know yeah I mean I feel like I mean if we don't take up the entire hour talking about this episode I think that's fine because I uh-huh. think it is a lot of like I think it definitely is mostly a filler episode in a way of like sure to show you know it it it's getting us to the point of like consolidating jasmine's power, like showing you know how desperate the angel team is, you know, and really getting angel like like really learning about where Jasmine comes from and getting angel to go to that place (laughs) um yeah beyond that like i don't i don't think we need to get into like details about like how randall and his crew like live and like all of that like i mean it's pretty straightforward um yeah matthew runs away gun and fred follow him he gets turned into a Jasmineite, and they get attacked like that's yeah. you know 15 minutes of the episode <laughs> <laughs> i don't know. I, I don't know exactly obviously but yeah um that's like a significant portion of like yeah, yeah and you get some stuff with like friend and gun i guess a little bit i don't know that it's important to like like how many times can we say that there's still tension between them sure about, you know yeah past things that have happened um
1: that's true at least they're like talking about it though so there is a little bit of just progress in terms of um their ability to actually like say the words that like oh we killed somebody remember when that happened like yeah we should probably talk about that um but yeah like it's it is still more kind of negotiating of the relationship tension and everything yeah um and, all right, why don't we get then into, like, the mythology stuff that we learn? Um,
2: sure. And
1: so, and, and we should get into the, the the spider monster and his role as kind of monster slash exposition deliverer, because um, I actually kind of like this guy. Um I thought like, I don't know, the way it was done, like the weird, his kind of weird speech patterns and, you know, the, you know, the way it sort of, you you know, I mean, the effects are always a little hit or miss. But like, you know, it wasn't the worst kind of makeup or anything. Um, Like, I don't know. I found that one of the more memorable sort of monsters that they and so it didn't matter to me that he was sort of delivering all this info dump because the way he would he the kind of muttering to himself and you know I don't know snipping at Wesley for talking all the time when the monster's the one that's sort of talking all the time I don't know the they made a kind of more interesting character out of it um so the 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 exposition didn't bug me so much, but um, you can uh, feel free to disagree with me if you do. I, I,
0: I, find, I find the speech thing the worst okay. part of it. I mean, I get what they're trying to do, and, like, I'm not going to be, like, too critical about it, but, like, for me, it's just kind of, like, I don't know, a little too forced, mm. like odd way of speaking kind of thing there were there's just a few i and i don't i can't even like
2: mm-hmm.
0: pick out a specific like thing that he says that bugs me more than the others but yeah there's just like a few spots where it's like yeah all right like mm-hmm. maybe maybe just could have gone with simpler phrasing or less like obviously crafted phrasing and mm-hmm. I just use crafted so to, to avoid using contrived, but I guess now that I'm admitting <laughs> that, um, you know, yeah. Now I that you that, now
1: that you brought it up, um,
0: yeah. I I don't I don't I I would rather I would rather go ahead and talk about the things he does say because I think that's the interesting stuff. Like, sure. rather than the delivery, the delivery is just like okay, it it is what it is. That's fine. Sure, it's not. I it could have been done better, but I'm not like mm-hmm like, like yeah so um yeah
1: so okay let's go through what we do um you know what we do learn so he says she's the devourer the song the peace the whole you try to name her so he's sort of offended by this idea of her being named and he brings this up several times that um you know, that there is some hidden name out there that has significance um, kept by the high priest. Um, Mm. And he kind of implies uh, not really implies, but in a roundabout way, you know, goes about saying that he's from the world that she's from, which is this older more ancient world um, mm-hmm. and that we loved her and first whoever well, we is the people of that world or his people specifically or the demons sure. of all the worlds it's not exactly clear who right who we Wh- who are is but we yeah yeah. In that. yeah um but so, she's had sort of devotees before i guess
0: and i guess the question becomes is this a contradiction of the story Jasmine tells? Or is this like this is the world she moved to when like she and her kind were like kicked off of Earth, basically. Right. By the emergence of the humans. Like, right. right. Or was that all a lie? Or her was that story was story complete crap. Yeah. 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 And this is where she's really from.
1: Right. Right. I mean Yeah, it's either It's one or the other. It's either that she completely fabricated that story or else there's a lot more to it than she's telling. I don't think we have, you know, this kind of rambling monster who just sort of says stuff to himself that Wesley overhears. Um, I think we, you know, we can trust what he says in the sense that there's not a lot of manipulation going on here. Whereas like Jasmine is more clearly choosing her words and you know uh crafting an image um probably what we're getting here is the more unfiltered truth um sure i mean he's
0: he and he's a an acolyte true believer right mm-hmm. like there's no reason for him to lie and also like wesley is caught in his trap <laughs> like right like this isn't like he's not interrogating him he's not like trying to catch him and you know lying in order to do that like and there's also sort of that it's sort of like an alien thing almost like that idea of that like to be human is to lie or to lie is a human thing Mm -hmm. in a way like not that other things don't do that but that like this is almost like like he's this alien demon thing like what does he have to lie about? Like who, right. what, what like is lying even a thing that like his people do at all? Or is there like no real need for that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, just driving home one final time, the the point of the name that, you know, you creatures throwing your names all over the time or, I don't know if I typed that right. Throwing your names. Oh, all whatever he says. I don't even know. Something about throwing your names around. Um, Yeah. And that's why you're so weak. Too many know your names. So, you know, kind of giving Angel and Wesley this sort of important clue that she actually does have. She didn't just need a name because she didn't have one, but she has one and it's vitally important. And you know, Probably need to learn that. And then, you know, we'll have some sort of power over her. Um, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they also get hold of this sort of crystal ball that he has, um, yeah. which opens a portal. Portal to where, you know, it's, hopefully it's, the world that he was just talking about. <laughs> right. It's been um, a
0: while since we've had a good portal it's a good
1: portal um and um yeah they need i mean so wesley kind of says like we need somebody to survive who knows the truth so like angel like that's you like you have to be the one to survive you know the attack of the Jasmineites that are coming here um but also like it's kind of like we need somebody to survive going through the portal and whatever the heck is on the other side of it. So, sure. It's not like he's being designated, you know, the sole survivor of this battle. It's also you're being nominated to kind of throw yourself into <laughs> God knows what is on the right. other side. Um, right. So. Yeah, so he's kind of being saved and sacrificed at the same time. Um, Well,
0: and I mean, even more ominous when he gets to the other side, and he also is surrounded by jasmineites. But, like, of the of the monstrous variety. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah,
1: in a kind of gray barren rocky you know mountainous you know not not a very inviting um like even pileo was kind of nice and pastoral like this is like you know the kind of sure. awful dystopia that you think of of like you know a dangerous alien planet
0: yeah just a wasteland kind of place
1: yeah, yeah. um so, yeah, I mean, I feel like we kind of zip through that in the end. But um, yeah, I guess it I is, mean, it is honestly, mostly sort of setting up the all the chess pieces for the end. And, yeah.
0: It, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say, too, is, like, there's sort of, like, a lot of setup going on here. And, and that's why I think it's fine if we don't, you know, take the full hour to talk about it because it is – there is the info dump. But, like, even the info dump doesn't – Give us like a ton of information, it's just that like, oh okay, there are these other creatures that sort of worship Jasmine like was she trying to get away from these guys <laughs> like mm-hmm. was she like I'm tired of you spider creatures, I need some like humans to like worship me for a while, yeah, right. or is there like an inv- is this like an invasion army like she goes and like now is like this guy a harbinger of like things to come like is this Similar to, like, what we've seen, you know, under the seal in Sunnydale, you know, in the Sunnydale High School of, like, there's an invasion army of, like, ubervamps, you know, waiting to kind of be let through. Um, Mm -hmm. Is this, like, the same kind of thing here? Like, we've got, like, Jasmine and, like, one of these spider demons that have come through and they're, you know, the plan is to, like, bring the rest in Mm -hmm. at some point. Right. We don't know that for sure, but like that could be one potential thing that happens. Um and now we've got Angel on the other side trying to figure out what he needs to do to stop that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, or on his own stop whatever. So yeah, I mean and and there we are. And there we shall stay for a couple of weeks. Um, because we 've got Buffy next, um, yeah, so cool we 'll be back then to talk about Buffy and sort of the aftermath of the Caleb battle uh, that's right,
1: yes, thank you
0: next next week so
1: sounds good. See you then <laughs>